Let's turn in the scriptures to Proverbs 14 and let's stand together out of respect for God's word. Proverbs chapter 14. We are grateful uh, for another opportunity to be back with you. Uh, We love this church. We love the people in this church. And uh, we are very excited to be with you again. I'd like to read as our text this morning, Proverbs 14 and verse 12. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Again, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Heavenly Father, we do ask for your blessing, leadership, And Lord, through this entire week of meetings, uh, that you would give us what we need. I would preach what you want, that you would put it in my mind and in my heart, my soul. And Father, that the music, the preaching, our fellowship together in the pulpit, out of the pulpit, that the church would be built, edified, refocused, revived. And Lord, that souls would be saved as well and added to the church. Pray for great revival in the school. And Lord, just awaken the young people, encourage them, and just may so much good be done this week. And we ask for your help this morning as we begin. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you, and you can be seated. My brother Dan owned a Jeep, and so he went four-wheeling one day on a path that he'd never been on before. It was the kind of path that you would go straight up a mountain and there was a drop-off on the side. And you could not even see the ground underneath the vehicle. But being the adventuresome type, a pelleteer, he kept going up that mountain. And when he got to the very top, he was ready to come over the other edge. Something inside of him told him that he better stop because he couldn't see in front of him. And so he stopped, walked, and looked in front of him and where he was going. And he realized that he was about to drive off the cliff. Had it gone about... Five more feet, his front wheels would have gone off a cliff, and he could have rolled over to his death. He got back in that vehicle, went in reverse, slowly down the mountain, and when he got to the ground, he got out and he kissed the ground. Now, my brother Dan literally took a path that could have been a way of his death. Now, Proverbs fourteen twelve says, There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end are the ways of death, meaning that we could take some roads that could lead to premature death. And everybody knows that alcohol and drugs and things like that can do that sort of thing, put somebody in an early grave. But when the Bible talks about ways of death, sometimes the word death means ruin. And you can have ruin in your life. Sometimes death can mean separation. And there are paths that we can go on that could separate us from sweet fellowship with God. And we need to ponder the path of our feet. And it's very easy to get on some wrong paths. Now, the first thing that I want to draw our attention to this morning from the verse is that there is a dead-end path. Now, again, dead-end or death could mean ruin, and it could mean actually just separation, separation from God. But there are paths that we are on and can get on that can ruin our lives. There was a young man that uh, had gotten away from the Lord in one of my meetings. I'd seen him, and he was a very angry man. 
And I went to him and I said, you've got so much anger in you. If you don't deal with this anger, you're going to ruin your life. He blew me off. Another evangelist showed up, said the same thing to him, and he blew him off. And within a few months, while his father was asleep, he took a hammer in his anger and he beat his dad's head in with that hammer. Now, his dad ended up living the rest of his life in a wheelchair. This young man spent much time in a prison, and he was on a wrong path, but he would not stop and turn around. Now, how can you tell if you are on a wrong path? The Bible speaks much about paths. Ponder the path that you're going. And if you're going in a wrong direction, stop, turn around, and get the right path. Get on the straight path. Don't turn to the left nor to the right. How can you tell if you're going down a wrong path? All right, now, obviously, it's when you get away from the Word of God. Any path that's different than the path of the Scripture would be a wrong path for you, and it will not lead you to a good destination. Now, as we look at paths, we often see others that are going down a wrong path, and you can tell when somebody's going a wrong path for a couple of reasons. One, because all paths are consistent. Number one, all paths are consistent. Now, this man chose a way of death. If he chose it a second time, it would lead to death. If he chose it a hundred times, it would lead to death, because paths always lead to the same place. When I was a boy, my next-door neighbors had about 10 acres of land, and in the very back of that property, we built a treehouse. And we had a path that went to that treehouse, and we had a lot of fun back there. We would swing on vines over creeks like we were Tarzan. We would dig holes in the path, put sticks over it, cover with pine needles, and our friends would walk along and fall into our traps. They'd drop about two or three feet, and we would laugh. But the best thing about that, in the back of the property, we had that treehouse. Now, we took this path hundreds of times to this treehouse. And I'm going to tell you something about that path that you're going to think I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. We took this path hundreds of times, and every time that we went down this path, now you're going to think I'm making this up because I'm an evangelist looking for preaching material, but I'm not. We took this hundreds of times. And each time that we went down this path. Now, please believe me. You're going to think I'm making this up. Well, we took this hundreds of times. And each time that we went down this path, now, I know it sounds like I'm stretching it a little bit, but we took this path hundreds of times. Now, every time that we went down this path, are you ready? It always went to the treehouse. You say, well, duh, of course. All right, that's my point. Paths always lead to the same place. Now, the path that you're on is going to take you to a destination. And when you understand that paths always lead to the same place, you can get an idea of the direction that you're going and understand where it's going to take you. Now, the second thing is all paths are common. Ecclesiastes 9.1. There's nothing new under the sun. And that means that there's not a path that we can try that somebody else has not already tried. If we try the path of drinking, others have drunk beer. If we try the path of cussing, others have done that. If we look at movies, we shouldn't. People have done that. If we listen to music, we shouldn't. Others have tried that. 
If we quit going to church, others have done that. If we do whatever we do, others have already done that. And we can save ourselves a lot of pain by observing other people's mistakes. And we need to ponder the path that we're on. Now, if we allow compromise, others have already done that. If we allow bitterness, others have already done that. And I can remember years ago taking a young lady from my church to see her mother who was in the hospital dying from cancer. And as she was coughing up blood and phlegm, her mother said to her, Mandy, when I was 16 years old, I took my first cigarette and I wish I'd have never taken the first puff. Now, shortly after her mother passed away, Mandy, probably now 16 still, maybe 17, started smoking cigarettes. And her grandmother was then taking care of her, said, Mandy, what are you doing? And her response to her grandmother was, Grandma, when mom was young, she got to try the different roads for herself. Now it's my turn. Respect me enough to let me try the different roads for me. Hear me. That's stupid. I don't have to take the path of drugs to know I don't want to do it, of drinking to know I don't want to do that. I don't have to take the path of flirting with somebody I'm not married to. I don't have to take the path of not going to church like I once used to. I don't have to take these paths of bitterness and hate and lying and all of these things to know that I don't want to do these things. And we need to ponder the path that we're on. Now, it's very possible that we've gotten on some wrong paths. In three years since I've been here, you've had a lot of good preaching, a lot of good evangelists, and anybody who preaches the Word of God is a good preacher if they live it and they give it. It's not about us. It's about all of us getting the right destination in life and staying in the right place in our lives. And we can so easily get distracted and get on the wrong paths. Now, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death or ruin. Ponder the path of thy feet and let thy ways be established. And so look if you're going a wrong way and get the right way back in vision. And establish your going, determine I will get on the right path in this where I've deviated. All right, now first there is the dead end path. Now secondly, I want us to look at this aspect of this simple verse. But powerful verse, life-changing, helpful verse. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end over the ways of death. There's a word here. It's the word A. Now there is a way that this man took. There are not two ways. Right, and this refers to the distinct path. This man chose a way. And you know what? Our lives are um, a compilation of decisions that we take and make. Our life is made up of the ways that we choose to go. And today, I will make decisions. Tomorrow, more decisions. Any preaching service, make a decision. Any um, day and any moment, I am making decisions as to what I will do. But there's a distinct path that we must choose. 
Now, if somebody is walking down the road and they come to a fork in the road, can you choose, can you go both ways at the same time? Not unless you're extremely bow-legged. Now, there is a fork that we all must come to, and that is the fork of salvation. I don't know how many people are here today that don't know for sure you're going to heaven, but I do want you to know you're making decisions about that, and then you are going to actually benefit from the right decisions or suffer from the wrong decision. Now, there are many different paths that people are trying to get to heaven, and the Bible's already made very clear what is the path to heaven. Jesus said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Don't take it lightly that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the path that you have to take to get to heaven is you've got to believe in Jesus. And that believing in him is not just believing that he died and was buried and rose again, but it's putting your trust in what Jesus did 2,000 years ago can save your soul today. For by grace are you saved through faith. Now, I can remember being in an airport, and I was trying to hand out some gospel tracts. I was trying to witness to a few people when I could, and I felt impressed to witness to the lady next to me. So I reached over, and all I did was give her a gospel tract. I said, hey, here's a gospel tract, something for you to read about God. And she looked it over a few seconds, and she looked back at me and handed it back to me. And when she handed it back to me, she said, no, thank you. I'm Buddhist. So then I thought for just a little bit, how do I get her to read it? How do I get her to see that she can go to heaven when she dies? And the craziest thought crossed my mind, but I did it. And it kind of worked. She looked at me and she said, I'm Buddhist. No, thank you. So I turned over to her in just about 60 seconds. I looked at her again. I said, I'm Baptist. You're Buddhist. And Baptists are better than Buddhist. <laughs> and I said that to her. And as strange as it was, it just shocked her to death that I would say Baptists are better than Buddhist. And then I smiled at her. And I said, look, I'm only kidding. It's not about Baptist or Buddhist. We're all trying to get to heaven, aren't we? And I can show you that the Bible is the Word of God. And if you just read it, it tells us how we can get to heaven. And she took the gospel track. Now, Baptists are not better than Buddhists. Buddhists are not better than Baptists. But I will say this. The only way to get to heaven is not by being Buddhist or Baptist. It's by doing what Jesus said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, you're going to have to make a decision. What are you going to count on to get you to heaven? If you don't know that you're going to heaven, you probably aren't. If you don't know that you're going to heaven, you're going to have to deal with that. If you don't know that you're going to heaven, the Bible says these things are written that you may know you have eternal life, and they're to tell us the way to have eternal life. So look in your Bible and find out the way to go to heaven. Let us show you the way to go to heaven. Now, we're going to come to the fork in the road. How am I going to get salvation for my soul? Can I take the path of Buddha and the path of Jesus at the same time? No. Can I take the path of 
of Hare Krishna and Jesus at the same time? No. Can I take the path of the Baptist baptistry and Jesus Christ at the same time for my way of salvation? The answer is no. And what's the difference of somebody trying to take the path of the Virgin Mary and Jesus at the same time? You can't do it. And you have to make a choice. And if you put your faith in what the Bible says, you'll know the right way to eternal life. Now, we come to the fork of salvation, Bethlehem. Then we come to the fork of submission. Now, I had a young man who said to me, if I decide to tell a lie to my mother and just forget about it and go on and live for God, can I be right with God? I question, can you be on the path of a liar and on the path of right with God at the same time? Yes or no? And somebody evaluates their life wrongly when they say, I'm 50% right with God, 50% not right with God, 70% right with God, 30% not right with God, 90% right with God, only 10% doing something I shouldn't. So I've got my act pretty much together. Where it is good that we're better than we used to be, we need to understand fellowship with God and being in communion with God cannot happen unless we're completely right with God. Now, if one man um, takes a step toward this piano, here's an illustration. I'll take steps toward this piano. I want you to count how many steps I take. One, two, five steps. Now, here's a step toward this organ. Count how many steps I take, if you will. Ready? How many steps did I take toward the piano? Five. How many steps did I take toward the organ? Only one. Now, here, I'm going toward the piano, going toward the piano, going toward the piano. And the moment I do one step like this, I'm going toward the organ. Now, people can say... I'm living for God, I'm living for God, living for God, going to serve God, going to do what God wants. But then one time saying, no, I'm not going to do what God wants this time. That is backslidden. Now, backsliding is not a process, it's an act. And we have to ask ourselves, is there any area where we said, no, God, I'll do this instead of what you want me to do? And we need to just ponder our path. And I'm not saying, I am not saying that we are God-haters. I am not saying that we could care less about God, but I am saying a willful step away from God's word is backslidden and dangerous. And you're on a wrong path, and you'll wind up in a wrong place if you don't get completely back on God's path. Follow me, if you will, on that. Now, ponder your path. Have you gotten off? Ponder your standards. Have you gotten off? Ponder the decisions that you've been making. Have you gotten off? It's a daily thing. It's a constant thing. We choose. We decide. And we live with the consequence of the direction that we choose. How many believe that God's way is the best way? It says, um, 
that in his presence is fullness of joy at his right hand of pleasures forevermore. And the moment that we step off his path, we forfeit the fullness of joy. We forfeit the pleasure forevermore. Now, are you backslidden? You can backslide the moment you say, I will do this when God wants you to do that. It's not your God-hater. It's not that you're a loser. It's not that you are no, no good things about you. It's as a young man, as a middle-aged man, as an adult, as a teenager, it's as a senior citizen, you have on purpose made a choice that was different than what God's will was for you. All right, now then, turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 14 again, and as we look at this simple verse, this simple truth, look at one verse next to it that is very, very much a concern. And when it says, ponder the path of thy feet, Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end there are the ways of death. But then let's not forget the following verses, Proverbs 14 and verse 14. It says, the backslider in heart shall be filled with his own way. And it says, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. Now this is saying that you can backslide not only in your actions, but we can backslide in our hearts. Now, what is going on with your heart right now? Is your heart backslidden? Ponder that. Is your heart getting cold? Ponder that. Have you in your heart lost compassion? Ponder that. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Is your heart loving God with half your heart? Not like it was before, with all your heart. I'm saying ponder your heart. Ponder that. Is your heart Allowing anger. In your heart, are you allowing a corner for anger? Are you allowing a portion for just a little bitterness? Just a little. Ponder that. And is your heart getting cold? Now, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul, with all thy might. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Is your heart in love with people? Ponder that. Or have you gotten backslidden in your heart? Now, we look for satisfaction. And this verse teaches that we will be filled with our own ways. A good man shall be satisfied from himself. And here's what that means. If you allow a corner in your heart for bitterness, listen, maybe the devil got you. You need to ponder that and get that heart right and on fire with God. Because if you allow that portion in your heart for bitterness, you will be filled with that eventually. And you won't be satisfied in life. If you've got a little bit of anger that's coming up, and you don't deal with that, 
it is going to spread and you will be filled with your anger and you won't be satisfied. And I know sometimes we get this idea that if we just get a little bitter, it feels good to be bitter. If we get a little angry, it just feels good to be angry. After all, what they did, how could they? And we feel a little momentary satisfaction from that, just like a momentary satisfaction from alcohol. But it doesn't satisfy. And you get filled with that, and here's where we're at. Now, backsliding in hearts, that's dangerous. Just like if the heart goes, the life goes, if our heart goes into backsliding and coldness and bitterness and pride and selfishness. Selfishness. Why am I going to be selfish? Because I want to take care of me. You go into backsliding and start being selfish instead of selfless, you're not going to be satisfied. You'll be filled with selfishness and then you just become like everybody self-centered and not happy. Now, where have we pointed our nose? Where have we gone on some wrong paths? Where have we backslidden? And so here's what we have to do this very first day of this revival meeting is ponder the path of our feet and symbolically the directions we're going, the choices we're making, the TV we're watching, the movies we're watching, the music we're listening to. You say, not that? Yes, that. Yes, that. The way that we're dressing. You say, not that? Yes, that. The people we're dating, the people we're flirting with, even married people that we're getting connected to, that we shouldn't be getting connected to. And all of this, we should ponder it all. It says we should ponder all the paths of our feet and the paths of our hearts. All right, now, first of all, I want us to notice from this simple verse there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end over the ways of death. Are we in a path that's kind of ruining our happiness? Are we in a path that's ruining our relationship with God? Are we ruining our actual physical lives? Are we ruining our futures because we are on some wrong paths? Now, listen, you can be on a wrong path. Now, then it says the distinct path, we're going to have to make decisions. The path of salvation, then we're going to have to make the decision of are we going to be submitting to the Lord on these things that he would have us to submit himself to on, to on. Now, the last thing that I want to draw our attention to this morning, back at that very simple verse, Proverbs 14, 12. Let's look at it again. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man. Now, seeming right unto a man, here's what's going on. The man's sitting there and he's thinking, yeah, yeah, mm, uh, this seems right. And he does it. And here's what's happening. He's contemplating it. And I don't know what's influencing him at the moment, but he's kind of thinking, what way do I want to go? You know what the best thing to do and the simplest thing to do and the smartest thing to do is and the, the most um, productive thing to do and the, the most uh, effective thing to do is just simply, and I know it sounds like it's trite, it sounds like something that we're supposed to say, but do we believe this or not? I do. The best thing to do is just say, okay, what's the Bible say I should do? Amen. Done. Amen. 
And you know what? This man did what he thought. He said, it seems right to me, but it was not. It was a way of death. And I'll guarantee you that it was something contrary to Scripture in this, whatever it was. How do I know? Because his way is the path to life, God's way. So this man obviously took a way that was different. Now, years ago, this is the director of your path, in case you're wondering what we're talking about, the director of your path. Who is directing you as you make your decisions? Who's influencing you? Okay, now, years ago, there was a, um, a preacher told the story about the day when they travel by train a lot more than they do now, that there was a blizzard over the eastern part of the United States. Instead of a hurricane, there was a blizzard. And that blizzard was so strong and so um, thick that whoever was in the train could not see where they were. And this woman looked very nervous, and a gentleman there saw her nervousness and said, Ma'am, are you afraid that you're going to miss your city? Well, I've traveled this train so many times. I know there are 13 stops till we come to your town. I'll tell you when we get to your destination. So he'd been writing it down. He'd been keeping track. And after 12 stops, he said, Ma'am, the next stop is yours. Get your child and your luggage. The next stop came, better get off the train, ma'am, quickly. She thanked him, took her child and her luggage, and left the train. They went about a minute and a half longer, something like that, and then they stopped again, and this was an unexpected stop. And the brakemaster then hollowed out the name that the woman, the city where the woman wanted to be exiting. And the man said, sir, you must have made a mistake. There are 13 stops till we get to that destination. This is the 14th stop. And the man said, you are very observant. There are 13 stops normally, but we had to stop and do some work on the engine. But everything's fine. Don't worry a bit. When did you stop? Oh, we just had to stop a minute and a half ago or so. And where were you when you stopped? I don't know. We were just in the middle of nowhere, but everything's fine. And he said, I let a woman and a child out there. And it is supposedly a true story that they went back to look for her and they could not find her till the next day when the blizzard subsided. They found the woman and her child. They were arm in arm, but they were dead. Now, there is a good illustration about being careful about who you get your directions from. Now, folks, who are you getting your directions from? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? There could be one of four people leading us and we'll be done. Number one, it could be Satan. It could be Satan. It really could be. Now follow me. It could be Satan. Acts 5.3 Why has Satan beguiled thee to lie against the Holy Ghost? So Satan was actively involved in getting a Christian to lie. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to get you to lie every time, but he's going to lead you. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 15 that there was a preacher who had already decided to follow Satan. And he can get a preacher, he can get a woman in the New Testament church, then he can get you. Now, who is the one who is going to tell you, listen, not to go to church on Sunday night. Now, just don't get mad at me. 
And I'm also not wanting it to be the kind of thing where people say, that's right, punch them in the face. Let them have it. No, I want us to consider the path that we're on. Now think with me. We can do better. And we must do better. We have to do better. Who is the one? Just be honest with me and think with me. If you used to go to church and now you don't go on Sunday night, who's the one who's telling you not to go to church on Sunday night? Question. Be honest. Don't have to say it out loud, but in your heart. Would that be God or would that be Satan? It wouldn't be God. And why would Satan want to get you on a wrong path to get you away from God? I'm just asking you to be honest with yourself. Are you on a wrong path? Now, if somebody goes to church Sunday morning and Sunday night, does that mean that everything is right with God? No. But what I'm saying is, it is one area where I know it's not the devil, it's not God, it's the devil. And if you listen to the devil, it's a way of ruin. Separation. Separation from God. Not, you'll go to hell. But separation from a close walk with God that you once had. Alright, who is the one who's going to tell you? Just think with me. Drink a few beers. A little wine for thy stomach's sake. And you start sifting through the scripture, finding some kind of evidence for why you can drink a couple can of beers. Hey, I promise you, a holy, holy God will never encourage you to sift through the scriptures looking for something in support of a couple can of beers. Who is leading you? And it's not a matter of putting a thumb on anyone. It's a matter of us understanding what's happening here. We're being influenced. So we're making decisions. Who's the one who's going to even encourage you? Dress down. I don't mean anything here by this in a negative way, but I just thought I'd throw it out. Dress down when you come to church. I'm not saying if you don't wear a tie when you come to church that you don't care about God. I'm saying when the attitude is getting so in our country that who are you to tell me that I cannot wear short shorts to church? All right, listen. You can wear anything you want to church if it's a sincere thing and you're respecting God. But I will tell you this. If you're somebody who used to respect the things of God and now your spirit is, well, you're judgmental, pharisaical, legalist if you tell me that I should respect the house of God. I really question if that's God leading. I do believe it's Satan leading us to lessen in our thinking the importance of God and his holiness. And the tendency and the trends that we're going on. And I'm just saying, our path, we're being influenced. And we have to be careful. Because it could be Satan. 
All right, now the second one who could be leading you, and you have to ask yourself, is Satan following me? Am I listening to God or am I listening to Satan? And if you will find that you are starting to drink those cans of beer, ask yourself, you answer it. Is that God leading me to drink the cans of beer or is it the devil? Who is the one who's going to be leading you if you get angry? To not tithe because you're angry. Would that be God? Or would that be Satan? All right, so number one, it could be Satan. Number two, it could be society. All right, Psalms 1.1. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, the ungodly can counsel us. And this is where we've come. To where the ungodly, though we don't hate them, but they're actually determining the culture of Christians. The ungodly are determining what a Christian does, how he thinks. The ungodly are influencing the Christian to abortions. Ungodly are influencing the Christian to accept homosexuality. The ungodly are influencing the godly instead of the godly influencing the ungodly. Now, it could be Satan. It could be society. Number three, it could be self. Now, this man said there's a way that seemed right unto a man. He went with what seemed right to him, and instead of going with what was very clear in the Scriptures. Now, I know that there'll be some things that we may differ on, but I think most of the time, if we're really looking at the Scriptures, we're going to be in agreement on what should be done. Scriptures are easy to understand. One guy said this to himself. It's not going to hurt me. He gave himself bad advice. It did hurt him. Just one can of beer, and he ended up dying later from alcoholism. And somebody said, well, it's not going to hurt me. Just one time won't hurt. And the girl who said that to herself got pregnant out of marriage. And one kid said this to himself. God's not going to do anything to me. He had been rebellious, and mother said, you're grounded, you have to stay home. And he said, well, I'm not staying home. I don't have to stay home. And mom said, you're staying home. He said, I'm not staying home. You can't stop me. He got in his car, was pulling out of the driveway. True story, mom said, aren't you afraid of God? He said, God's not going to do anything to me. And that night, that young man drowned in a swimming accident. I believe God did something to him. And he gave himself bad advice. And what I'm saying is you can give yourself bad advice. All right, now it could be Satan's self, could be society, but it should be the Savior. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Now, does God have an opinion on alcohol? Does God, and don't, don't take it as me just yelling at everybody, but does God have an opinion on attitude? Does God have an opinion on love? Does God have an opinion on what we look at? Set no wicked thing before your eyes. Does God have an opinion on how we talk? Does God have an opinion on what we do with our Sundays and Wednesdays? Does God have an opinion on everything? And that's why he says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Does God have an opinion on the girl that you're dating? Does God have an opinion on the boy that you're dating? Does God have an opinion 
on what you're thinking about. Yes. And his opinion is not only right, but his opinion is best. Because when we follow him who loves us, we get to the right destination. Now, years ago, there was a preacher friend of mine, and I closed with this, who was preaching, and there was a service with several unsaved people. And there was a teenage girl who raised her hand and said, I don't know I'm going to heaven. Would you pray for me? Put her hand down. The invitation came. He invited her to come. And others who raised their hands, she did not respond. The next night he preached, she raised her hand, prayed for me. I don't know I'm going to heaven and did not get saved. Finally, all week went by. And the last night she raised her hand again. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. Pray for me. I think if you don't know you're going to heaven, you need to. And you need to get some help. And we can help you. So this girl raised her hand saying, I don't know I'm going to heaven. And when it was done, he went up to her and he said, you've raised your hand each night, but you've not come and let us show you how to go to heaven. Will you let us show you how to go to heaven? And she said, preacher, don't worry about me. I want to get to heaven and I want to know how. And I know I need to be saved. I understand how to be saved, but I'm not ready to get saved. I've got too much living to do to get saved. Preacher said, you need to get saved now. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know when you're going to die. And you've heard these stories, but they're true. And she said, no, preacher, I'm not ready to get saved. I'm having too much fun to get saved now. And finally, the preacher said again, boast not thyself of tomorrow. And her final response was, true story. She looked at my preacher friend and said, preacher, I'm having so much fun in my sin right now. I wouldn't get saved today if I knew I'd be in hell tomorrow. She got in her car, drove home with her mother and father, and there was an accident. A drunk driver rear-ended them, hit them into a six-foot-deep ditch. True story. The car was smashed up like a pretzel. Mom and Dad got out, but the girl was in the back, and they tried to get her attention. There was no response. And after calling her name a few times, finally she muttered out, Mom, Dad, I'm not hurt. But I'm pinned in the back seat and you've got to get me out of here. I'm going crazy. You've got to get me out of here. So they called the rescue squad. The rescue squad came and they were going to cut her out with the jaws of life. They were on scene, pulled out the jaws of life, ready to cut that open. And just as they were beginning to cut that thing open, one of those drunk drivers got on the back of that smashed up automobile and pulled out a cigarette and lit up a cigarette. And Cash um, carelessly tossed the match aside, and it caught some gasoline leaking from that fuel tank where the girl was pinned in, and in less than a second, it ignited that fire, shot through to that automobile, and engulfed that whole thing (laughs) in flames. And the girl who said, I would not get saved today if I knew I'd be in hell tomorrow, was screaming, Oh, dear God, help me! Oh, dear God, help help me! And the girl who said, I wouldn't get saved today if I knew I'd be in hell tomorrow, that's where she was. And you and I need to ponder the path of our feet. Let's bow our heads and we'll have a word of...